podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses, zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every other week until... August, because it's the off-season. Season. A little bit longer than it normally would be, but uh, everything's officially over. So make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date UniTracker info from Steve. Um, the Bearcats are officially done. They will not be playing any more games uh, for the rest of the year. So it is on to... I guess October and to see what Wes Miller will do. Um, as mentioned before, uh, the Bearcats will not be playing. Uh, Steve, would you like to mention uh, exactly what the response was uh, to the Bearcats possibly being able to play in the NIT? Uh, well, Justin, uh, good to hear your voice again. Uh, yes, welcome back to you as well to the, to the podcast. Thank you listeners for tuning back in and, I'm glad to be back on the airwaves talking some Bearcats. So I'm vamping because I am trying to uh, find the tweet from from Mr. Chad Brendel. Um, he puts up a lot of a lot of different tweets. So that he does. Um, volume, volume <laughs> shooter, yeah, big volume guy. Because uh, I, I, I want to like give the exact quote. Okay, <laughs> from Chad Brendel, nine forty p.m. Sunday night, March thirteenth, twenty twenty-two. How do you guys would I appreciate this? When I was digging around yesterday to see if playing in one of the secondary events was an option, a source told me, "Quote: Cincinnati doesn't play in that shit." End quote. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> well, here's the real question that we were trying to figure out um, is who do you think the source was? Who do you think said that? Because um, as, as you've kind of mentioned, I feel like nobody, I, I feel like obviously wouldn't be a player, um, but I feel like coaching staff, there really aren't a whole lot of options. And I feel like your point was that they would have said we instead of Cincinnati. So I don't know who that boils down to. Uh, so 
don't want to say it's Wes, but I mean, <laughs> it seems like Wes because he, from his introductory press conference, he talked a lot about Cincinnati basketball and used the yeah. word Cincinnati a lot. He didn't use Bearcats as much. So uh, I would hope it's not the head coach saying that, but I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we'll never know. But regardless, Cincinnati is not playing in any shit until <laughs> probably October uh, or November when it comes to basketball. Shit here, fellow. Uh, so we have a long time to wait. Um, uh, as you guys have all now found out, the Bearcats lost um, pretty convincingly to Houston after a uh, first half that actually got us pretty excited. Uh, if we predate this conversation real quick, the Bearcats did beat ECU uh, for the third time this season, which uh, I don't think came to any surprise. Uh, we were all hoping and, uh, hoping and expecting to see that. Um, but regardless, the Bearcats did lose in the American Conference Championship to Houston, which uh, still finds a way, even when the tournament is in freaking Fort Worth, to not be able to drive three hours, three and a half hours to show up. And just the whole tournament was empty for every game. But even in the championship game between Houston and Memphis, it was empty. There's nobody there. And it just still pains me that Houston cannot care enough because if that game was in like, you know, uh, what's the three, if that game was in like, I don't know, Detroit or Cleveland or something like that, Cincinnati fans would be driving up. I don't care if we've had the season that we've had. I don't care if we're a less than 500 team. If we're in that championship game, the Bearcats are going to show out. But Houston, number 18, 27 and five, just can't give enough fucks. <laughs> and I just don't get it. And does no one care about this conference at all? I mean, it's. I think we're at the point where nobody really does. Honestly, it's. It's just sad every time you know you tune into any kind of American conference game. Like the crowds suck. I think uh, COVID really killed off a lot of it, and I think we're still kind of feeling the effect in this conference. Um, but it, I don't know. It just sucks. Like Houston, I just saw a stat the other day has like a hundred and thirty-seven wins or something like that since 2017, 2018. They're the second winningest program since that uh, stretch. I think they're only beaten out by like maybe Villanova or uh, maybe Duke. I don't know. So some other blue blood. And yet they just, they have no fans. It's, I, I guess it's because it's a, you know, there's a lot of teams in the city. There's pro team for every sport, but uh, I don't know, man. It just sucks. It's, I hate, I hate watching any game in the American now. It's just sad. But at least the Bearcats still try to show out. And they they gave it their best, and I, it's more on the conference for putting it in place where like one team is local to. I know that's yeah. where the new conference office is, but like gone are the days of playing it in Memphis or mm -hmm. in Orlando, which no one attended the Orlando one. I, yeah, any of these other than the one that was in Hartford ever been really well attended? I I really I don't think so. I mean, it happens here and there when you're just not going to get you're going to get these teams that don't show out. But I think also part of that is to just based on the widespread of the American. I mean, it is like you just mentioned from literally Orlando all the way up to Cincinnati. That's a good 15 hours, and then you have uh, Cincinnati to Houston, which is probably f you know another 15, 16, 17 hours. Um, between these two teams, at least on a drive, and most people aren't going to fly out for this conference uh, 
tournament. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it's probably what we should expect. But again, at least we have that to look forward to in the Big 12 where people actually give a shit. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, like, Very dude, good. KC was full this entire weekend. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that was awesome. And, uh, like, I can say with from experience about AAC tournament attendance because I was lucky enough to go to the last conference tournament that the Bearcats won in Memphis in 2019. And uh, uh, to say the lower bowl was filled would be a, very much a stretch. It was not filled. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was awesome because we paid for tickets that were like, very high up and we sat like maybe two rows back like and we paid yeah. for like maybe like fifteen dollars a ticket so that was great you know but it's kind of like <laughs> just not the atmosphere you want us to be playing in and like it i had this take for a while um after we were relegated to the american conference from the big east uh, when we weren't playing at madison square garden for the conference championship anymore that was just is terrible you know it sucked yeah. because like that's an event and it yeah. seems like in kc the big 12 tournament is an event and like i mean like even the sec sec tournament that's an event acc tournament event like those big turn mm-hmm. big tournaments are mostly events like i watched the pac-12 title game on saturday night that was full and it was yeah. jumping in las vegas so i'm just excited to finally get to a place but <laughs> um Justin, on the game real quick, uh, was kind of... Now, I am glad definitely that we beat ECU, got one last win, and didn't go out with a stinker like that. Uh, they played well enough. The Thursday Bearcats showed up again and showed out, so I was <laughs> happy for that. Um, but then on Friday, it was very surprising to have a five-point lead going into halftime, but I think team was just being their full meme selves for both of the games of the conference tournament because they were either extremely hot or extremely cold. They either made all their free throws or couldn't make any or getting fouls and staying out of foul trouble or they were staying in foul. Like they were just inconsistent between halves of games. And yeah. And then in the end against, um, against Houston, they just didn't have enough talent to match up yeah this game was definitely a lot closer than the other two games obviously by the score and by the fact that we were leading at halftime but and we just don't have it right now and yeah obviously we're, we're going to talk about what west has to prioritize in the off season to try and get us back to that level but it's just not there right now and honestly it sucks there's no really other analysis i can make of the game but I do. I do like making fun of crowds and the American Conference. Like we, we there's that's also a bad arena to put it into for like not that many people attending because all the seats are like light gray, so it's very yeah. visible. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 all stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and and one thing too, I'll mention quickly about the game before we move on from that. Uh, you know how I love my game flow charts and looking at the one uh, for this game against Houston. You know, the Bearcats are pretty in control the first half. They have a little scramble uh, with a couple minutes to go in the first half and then take the lead. And it looks good. And it's like there's a steady line. And then we come out of the second half or come out for the second half. They start scoring immediately and then they plateau like and it's just steps for the rest of the game. And Houston is very nearly a straight diagonal lineup. Um, and everybody knows when it comes to game flow charts, uh, (laughs) 
inclines are good, stairs are not. <laughs> and this is just kind of more of the same that we've seen all season. And the for the um really only the I guess third time that game um that the Bearcats gave up the lead. Uh once that happened in the second half, they never uh came back. They got close once or twice. Um I think they were able to bring it within like two. Uh but then Houston kind of just cracked it open and went through and it again still sucks because uh knowing everything that's happened this season and the fact that they are down two of their best players and they still did that to us um I think just goes to show how good Houston is uh, regardless but um only other point to mention before we move on um to you know some more of the looking forward to next season is that in this season the Bearcats ended 18 and 15 on the season um, which is lower than both of our projections from the beginning of the season, um, or at least mine. I think yours was probably in a similar realm. I think you said about 20 games. Um, and the Bearcats finished eight games behind uh, at 7 and 11 in conference games, uh, which makes the Bearcats 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8th in the American Athletic Conference standings. Yeah. Uh, which is... I, I'd have to do some hard digging to... F- find out the last time the Bearcats finished that poorly. Um, well, and then but here's the thing finishing... too about like that comment that we mentioned earlier about we don't plan that shit. Like, yeah, we really have no basis to be talking right now because we just finished yeah. eighth in a conference that uh, I'm stealing this quote from my buddy Tyler, Tyler Dugan on Twitter. Um, he said, We're, we finished eighth in a conference that had the same amount of bids as the Atlantic 10. Like we really can't be acting like we're above playing in non-NCAA postseason tournaments. And like yeah. it's a that's a problem, you know, and obviously it's a first year situation and like everything we've said all year about how roster and all that stuff, but this is really Wes's time to shine. And like that was kind yeah. of year zero. He's got year one now. We'll see what the player movement looks like in a couple weeks. But I, sorry to cut you off, but like that's just that comment to me was just kind of like, what? Like we we can't yeah. be talking like that. Like I understand we're a top five basketball program, but that's that's the kind of stuff that gets us hated on by Xavier fans yep. all the time for just like living in the the past and yep. and stuff when we clearly haven't been that program, you know, for the past five years. I mean, we were good in uh in our year that we were at NKU 17 18 uh, before the tournament got canceled um but i to me it's just frustrating to, to think that like some people still think that way about Cincinnati basketball because obviously not there right now and i think we all wanted to be back there but to think that some people still think like we're above it is just i don't know it's a little bit worrying yeah. Well, and it's, you know, kind of one of those head in your cloud, like, eh, have your head in the clouds moments. Um, and I mean, I think, I think part of that too has to go just to the general like chaos of the season. Um, this is probably one of the more topsy turvy years in the American, considering that Temple and Tulane finished four and five um, this year in uh, placement. But uh, one thing too that's, you know, kind of interesting is that Houston, SMU, and Memphis are all up there. They've been generally consistent top four every year, um, top five generally. And, uh, you know, we're just behind everybody else. And that is a genuine rarity. Um, and I think this is the was the first time in what the past four years that the Bear, uh, Bearcats were not in the uh, American championship game. So 
Um, that's something too, that just goes to show. I think this year was just hopefully just an off year. Um, and this is just getting stuff together. Cause obviously we did not have all the pieces and parts there. And as you've quoted many times throughout the season, uh, this team is put together with, uh, strings and <laughs> tape. Uh, it's just not a, uh, pretty look as far as things have gone. But regardless, um, I wanted to ask you this question, considering everything that's happened this season, um, Let's start with what was your lowest point so we can we can we can feel better with a high point. But what was your lowest point of the season? For me the lowest point was uh just losing to USF on senior night. Like that's <laughs> I mean I think that's probably the same one as you, but mm-hmm. I mean I generally say the Xavier one because you know we've been losing to them for a while. That's nothing new unfortunately. I don't really say like the Houston or Memphis games because we're just not that not as good as them, but and like losing to uh, USF is something that no basketball program should ever do. They are terrible. yeah, <laughs> especially at home. Oh god, yeah, and so like that's like the epitome of UC in the American. Like we have no crowd life at all. Games on ESPN Plus, and we somehow lose at the buzzer, and mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Uh, and even I would say like a win, like a low point of the season was when we had to a like a putback jumper to win to beat ECU at their place. Yeah. And like yeah. I, I know they were okay and they gave us problems this year, but like we want to be arrogant about who we are as a program and like what we've been. We can't be like I don't know. I I don't I and like. I don't want to say that because Memphis lost there and they eventually they're in the tournament right now. So obviously that's not like a end all be all kind of thing. The Bearcats lost there a couple of years ago and they're doing fine. Road games are tough, especially in high school gyms, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I like, I think the problem is Justin, like a lot of people, the disconnect between we are or what we are right now and what we want to be. And like, I think it's fair to say that UC has not been a good program over the past three seasons. And obviously one of those seasons, we won the conference championship. Another season we were in the conference championship game. And uh, in this last year, obviously we were, we had just had a new coach. We had a new coach, two of those three seasons. And in, I don't know. I just don't think we're, we have earned the right to be arrogant enough right now for not making the tournament for three straight years. Haven't been ranked. Um, in any of those three years, I don't think. Uh, and then nope. you know, just not been like getting any like really top level recruits or anything. Like, I think we just have to earn it back, and we don't really have that holding right now. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like well, maybe that's just me being like a little bit protective of I want people to see us, and obviously people are going to talk trash. Let them talk trash, but. I just I think like we need to really hone in on proving the product. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean I think I'll, I'll give my low point, which includes that South Florida loss. Like that's I'm I I'm not going to just identify it to one thing because um, it's in such contrast to my high point, uh, which is losing uh, the last five games of the season. Uh, you know, five straight at any point in the season sucks to lose, but to lose those to Temple, 
uh, at home to lose at UCF. You can give or take that, but at home to Florida and then Houston take it SMU again, just that one is, I will give it to the refs on that one. I think we can chalk that one up there, but to go, Oh, and five on your last five games of the season. Um, and to even better yet go one out of seven or one and seven. So one out of eight, um, in the last eight games of the regular season, I think just goes to show what a sucky kind of season this has been for us. Um, but all of that said to contrast, I think the high point was starting off five and zero. Um, in which included the win over number 14, Illinois. Um, and then, you know, really kind of losing it just at the very end to number 13, Arkansas. We all thought that that was like, okay, we might actually have a chance to be ranked this year. This might be the team. Um, you know, even after losing to Arkansas, we still had such good mojo um, considering how well, you know, we had played. And then, I mean, that Monmouth game, losing that at home, and then to win by one after a crazy sequence at Miami. I still, I can still picture the whole thing. Clear oh, as yeah, day. That one, um, like that really set the, the precedent for what the rest of the season was supposed to be. And then of course, Crosstown, you know, like there was just so many points where like after we started five and zero, that everything just went downhill. Um, and I think that that was sort of the telltale sign that we should have, we should have realized really early um, with back-to-back games like that after that uh, tournament to have Monmouth and Miami be so close and to lose one of those and nearly lose against Miami too. Um, I think we should have known a little bit earlier that we should have been a bit more humble about the Bearcats this year. Um, but well, so then, well, I guess you might be in the same place, but then what's your high point of the season? Actually, I have a different one for you. So it, this was after the Tulsa game, which was on a Thursday night. I was trying to find what our record was at that point. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Let me try and, Trying to figure that out. Sorry. Um, uh, Tulsa so, win when he scored 90? Yeah. Uh, so that would have made us 90. 14 and 5, I think. Yeah. So, and then just the fact that we went, uh, uh, we, we were 13 and 5 at that point. Then after that point, we won five more games. We lost, we went 5 and 10 down the stretch. Like, that's just yeah, that's bad. That's that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, there's no other way to say that. Like, obviously, then after that, you get the Temple loss, Houston loss at Tulsa, Memphis at home, the Temple at home, UCF on the road, USF. Like that, going five and ten should not be acceptable. This program at any stretch, and like, I know I just said, probably have a inflative sense of self, but. And just like our standards need to be, you still have standards, you know, like yeah. maybe people think we're something that we're not, but there's still no standard that should be okay with us losing an out of 15 games in a stretch in a bad yeah. American conference. Yeah. And well, and that's the, that's, I think the hardest part about this whole season too, when you look at it and all in hindsight is like, this is a, this is a conference that got two bids uh, to, the tournament. And I think that's uh, sort of goes to show what everyone thought of it this year, um, much less to then finish in eighth amongst that. Uh, it's just, 
that's just downright painful, man. I mean, it's the American and it's going to be, it's never going to be easy and we're never going to have a lot of bids, but my God, to end up in eighth, I think it's just, I think it's a, a new low and hopefully that is the lowest we will see it for quite some time. And then Justin, um, think about the, um, oh, sorry, real quick. Think about the wins that were those five wins. Uh, ECU on the road, USF on the road, Wichita at home, uh, then ECU again uh, in the conference tournament. Like, yeah, you know, we. Knowing you're right, that w- that's only four wins. So we went four and ten. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, does Even that worse. hammer home for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. I think too that's a a good point to uh, kind of bring up, considering you know where this season sort of took us. Is looking forward now to next season. Um, the one question that we, I think everybody has in their mind, um, is, or I guess does David DeJulius come back? Um, and I, I mean, my thing is like, I would think that he would, I mean, obviously he'd be clearly no questions asked certified 30 minute, a game starter. Like he'd get anything that he wanted. Um, but do you think that do you think that another season benefits him? Or, I mean, I look at it as I would assume at this point that he's going to be playing overseas unless the Bearcats have some kind of miracle season next year where we're like a top five seed in the tournament, which is very, very wishful thinking. Um, But considering all of that, um, I feel like it's going to be the same thing that we looked at with SK when he, you know, finished out his career in Cincy. Like, he accomplished a lot. Um, and granted, this is a different conversation because he's a transfer, but regardless, he accomplished a lot. And then he stayed for a good amount of time. And, you know, his age and I think those kind of things, too, are going to start to um, I, I don't there's there's never been a time where I've seen age as an advantage going into the NBA draft, um, you know, assuming that's his goal. Um and I think that, you know, the longer you stay, the more likely your career is to stay overseas. And I just, it's also just down to the fact that, and just a question for him, like if he wants to go play uh, like for a definite contender, like title, final, final four title contender, or if he wants to stick it out here for one more year. And I wouldn't blame him at all if he thought, you know what, I'm not going to really, uh, we're not going to win here next year. It's going to have to yeah. be a decision to go somewhere else. And I, I won't get mad at him for that because he gave us two good years when, you know, obviously there was nothing else here, but like, I don't know. Well, it's and just, I, I think part of it too, like he, not only that, does he have other teams as an option? Like he also has like G league as an option. I mean, I think he's talented enough to where he could end up on a G League team, and I think that could kind of fast-track him because you're playing against the top talent. Um, And, you know, like, if I'm thinking, if I'm David DeJulius, you know, do I go back, play another year in college, now look older, or do I go back or go to the G League and try to get something there if you can get a contract? Like, I mean, we've seen it. We saw it with Trey this year. We saw it with Jaron. We've seen it with Gary. We've seen it with Troy. Like, there's call-ups. There's, you know, two-day contracts. You've got, you know, the whatever, like 40 day, two way contracts, um, or uh, what is it? 10 day contract is what I was meant to say before, but, um, you know, you have potentials to it or potential to at least play in the league. And if you play well, 
um, you can move up a little bit quicker now. And, and and the other thing too, is I think a lot of guys generally in this case, they're going to be a lot younger, but when they are going to the G league now, I mean, we're looking at guys who are getting drafted out of the G league in the, you know, as a lottery pick. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if I were him, I'd be playing in the G league. Personally, I think that that would give him the best leg up if he can get a spot there. Um, I think he has the talent to do it, but you know, at the same time, you know, a lot of the guys in the G league are, you know, all conference first team kind of players who just didn't, uh, get drafted by an NBA team. Um, so, you know, looking at it from that perspective too, I don't even know where his placement is and all of that, but I know for certain that if I were him personally, I wouldn't come back to try to test the waters again and just have a whole nother year. Um, that's going to make it harder for me to get to the league. Yeah. And I, I'm like, we, he has to figure that out for himself, obviously. And um, I think obviously he could have a career in basketball. Like we've seen Octavius Ellis is still playing uh, basketball in the Philippines, you know, and almost uh, eight years on from his playing career at UC. And I don't know why I just pulled him, him out, but like guys can have long careers playing overseas, overseas basketball and make a a good, good living for themselves. So Mm -hmm. I think, it just has to figure that out and um he could either go like the the uh, justin i'm going to bring up a name that has burned us before uh rapolis <laughs> ivanowskis he could go that route and just go play and just leave in the middle of the season too <laughs> <laughs> well what, that would be such a that would be such a dick move like hey i'm coming turn. back and then just in the middle of the season yeah actually i'm gonna go See, i'm gonna go sign this g league contractor go. Be tel aviv hit me <laughs> up baby I'm going to go Real play Madrid. for Real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona basketball. Hit me up. Yeah. Out of here. Um, think- Start off the season like four and six. He's like, I'm done with this shit. He's- I should have <laughs> gone. Um, but I I mean, he's got to be a graduate by now. Um, yeah. So he would have a, another free transfer. So uh, against my best hopes, I my prediction is that uh, – DDJ will transfer to like a a school that is on the cusp of winning again next year, like a, a Gonzaga, yep. Arizona, like one of those top ten schools. Yeah, and, uh, you can only wish him the best because he's given us two great years of Deontay Vaughn like service, where he was obviously like the one of the best, if not the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I have such an admiration for that and how he just. It's so hard every game, and even when the shots weren't falling, he still tried to create and get stuff to go. So, yeah, I have much appreciation for him. Well, one thing that I I don't I want to not cut you off here, but we do have still a shit ton to cover too. So I'm going to ask one last question before we transfer away from Bearcats basketball here. Um, is what if you're Wes Miller? We've mentioned this a couple times, but if there is one thing that you get done this off season, what is it? To get that big, gotta find a big somewhere, and like I don't when it doesn't matter how you do it, where you do it, gotta find a big. Um, I think, I think if he can keep at least most of the players on the roster. By the way, I saw people wanting to see if like Davenport should transfer. I don't care how many shots Jeremiah takes. He is yeah. a Cincinnati kid born and raised. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's like the closest thing we have to like Cincinnati basketball culture. And you know mm-hmm. what? Like, I will take that kid 
because he's gonna like try his best damn it <laughs> yeah no i i i'm i'm with you on that like we've all been critical of jd and i think that and that's also fair like as fans like i think that's one thing that we kind of get um you know is uh sort of the fine line between okay these guys are you know college students versus these guys are getting paid millions of dollars in the nba um but i think we still have room to be critical and that's fair but to say like a guy like him who literally has the Bearcat eyes tattooed on him, who is like you said, born and raised in Cincinnati is one of the few guys um, that will come through this program that know what it, you know, what it should be and what it's like. And is born with that, like in his blood. I just, I fuck all the people who think he should transfer. Like there's no, <laughs> there, there's no reason that JD should transfer. He is, was led if he if he didn't lead, he was like second in four or five different categories this season. And you know, stats are stats, and obviously there's an eye test to a degree as well. But you know, I think as much of that can go on JD, a lot of that goes on West too. Like people people want to put so much blame on the players, but they also have to realize Wes isn't saying, hey, you don't get this green light anymore. That Not at one point during the season have we seen a point where JD did not get the green light to take whatever shot he wants. And if that's the game plan, then JD is doing his part. It's just not falling. And we can't blame the guy for not making shots when he's the one who's been carrying us through many of the games this season, especially in the beginning of the season. Yeah. So like and 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 also like considering where he's at, like you have to believe too that next season, considering where everything is, you know, with a couple new guys, with rotations and everything. Um, especially with, you know, some freshmen who we're all considering would probably get some starting minutes in the three and four, he might be a little bit more efficient or he might have to play a little bit smarter than he has. And I, I genuinely believe he will be a lot better next season and hopefully a lot more efficient. But regardless, if the three ball is the plan, he's the one who took the charge this season. He's the one who kept us in a lot of games by making threes. He's also the one who, you know, unfortunately didn't make a lot of the threes that we needed to, but that's also because we didn't have anybody else on the team other than David DeJulius to step up and make those kind of threes or make the points on the fuller that are going to keep us in a game. So I, I really, I hate that conversation every time I see it. Like, I don't, I don't say a lot, but like, I really genuinely feel like it's, it's just not fair to a guy like him who hustles you know, even if it doesn't sh- if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet or it doesn't show up in the win column, like he hustles every game. He plays hard. He plays real hard. So, I don't know. That's my sounding off point. <laughs> Just because yeah. I hate that conversation, I really do. Yeah. Uh, well, but uh, I think uh, other than other than that, like uh, obviously we're going to lose a couple seniors this year, and um, Newman's coming back. Hopefully, DDJ is coming back. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Sam Martin will be gone. So, uh, yeah. RIP and peace to him. Hopefully, he enjoys his business career in the greater Cincinnati area, and uh, maybe he'll own the Reds one day. Who knows? But, maybe we can get him on the pod. We should try uh, to get yeah. him on the pod. See what get he has up. to say. Up, Justin. I think he'd be a good, good, uh, good. Oh interview. yeah. Um, I think if we can try to get some kind of dynamic big, um, maybe one from the state of North Carolina where Wes Miller has some connections. Uh, yes, I, I saw uh, UC Twitter uh, famous guy Eric Lilly uh, say he checks every transfer portal guy to see if they're from North Carolina or if they have <laughs> a connection to North Carolina whatsoever. Because uh, 
Wes is there. <laughs> yeah. He's got the connection there. Um, but I think it's just got to be that dynamic big. Yeah. I'm going to have to 100% agree with you on that. Um, well, good, I think because no, no disagreements <laughs> allowed on this podcast, Justin. Yes, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I think in my, you know, kind of personal look at everything, there's not really a dire need for any position other than that. Um, you know, we just have to consider all the fact that a lot of these guys are, you know, are, are all of our bigs are going to be gone. <laughs> like, you know, losing, um, Abdul and losing Koval in the same year, um, the lineup immediately gets a lot shorter. Um, but I don't necessarily think that it gets weaker. I think obviously losing um, Otto is going to hurt, but or Ado uh, is going to hurt. But at the same time, like I think if we can get another bruising big, if we can get somebody, doesn't even have to be great at blocks. Just has to be you know solid offensively and just solid defensively. Somebody who's uh, well-versed on both sides of the ball, I think we'll be okay. Um, and especially pairing with a lot of these young guys that we have coming in, hopefully, um, maybe, you know, Vic will be able to step up next year, assuming he is going to be sticking around. Um, and hopefully Hensley too. I think Vic and Hensley are really great rotation players in that. Um, and of course with, I think right now, Odie's going to be the one starting in that position until we get somebody else. Um, you know, maybe not in the five. If we have Odie in the five, it's going to be a short lineup. <laughs> um, I would think Vic would start there, but um, you know, I think part of the thing that I want to figure out too, you know, if I'm Wes, is um, you know he's got his system, he's got his game plan, but what's your identity? You know, are you a fast three and D kind of team? Are you just pacey and short, or are you going to try to stack the paint? Um, obviously, that didn't really happen this year, but you know, there's nothing wrong with trying a new scheme and. Um, you know, maybe we figure that out. I think towards the end of the season, especially in the conference tournament, um, we saw Wes try to change it up a little bit and, you know, play some of the bigger guys. Like there was a lineup that had uh, Hayden, Hensley, Oguama, and um, I think even Davenport at some point out on the floor all at the same time. Um, so that's a pretty tall lineup, you know, trying, trying to shift things around and just figure out what works, um, I think will be really crucial for him to figure out exactly what we need. Um, but of course, you know, it's going to be, it's all going to be telltale signs of what we can expect next year. Uh, just seeing how, um, he works in the transfer portal, but regardless, we have just covered about (laughs) almost 40 minutes worth of Bearcats basketball when we have a bunch of other (laughs) shit that we want to cover too. So we're going to make this a very quick point. Real real quick, just some breaking news, uh, from, Nicole Auerbach, USC Athletic Director Mike Bone has been named the NACDA Athletic Director of the Year. So wow, good for congrats to the big boner man. Doing it big. So uh, I thought yeah. that was a good transition point. Good, congrats to the bone saw. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting um, to see. I think if they're, I think they're right on, on the same side of the bracket. I could be wrong. I'd have to look again. But um, if we get Bone with USC uh, playing Longwood uh, in the tournament, which is just a very funny name, I hope that uh, sticks around for a long time. I would like to see them in the tournament again just for the pure meme of it. But anyways, um, our our quick point here on Xavier. Uh, Xavier misses the tournament for the fourth straight year under Travis Steele. Um, 
Xavier still fucking sucks. <laughs> um, I feel really bad for our Roblob pod guys, but I feel bad for no Xavier fan. Um, <laughs> those guys obviously are um, entertaining to say the least, but um, Xavier has opted to play in the NIT. Um, I I would think I would think that Travis Steele is going to be safe still because of the Bagman. Um, but I think at this point. Uh, he's definitely earned his way out. I've seen a lot of Xavier fans saying that, uh, you know, go hire Sean Miller, hire Chris Mack back. Let's go for old coaches. Apparently, uh, Sean Miller just bought a house in Cincy or something recently. Um, so, you know, maybe <laughs> they're all saying, like, hire him, keep Travis Steele on the coaching roster, just make him, like, the lead assistant coach or something like that, which I think is really funny um, because, obviously, I think we all have an idea that Travis Steele cannot be fired as long as the bag man is around. Um, but, man, is it funny. If they lose to Cleveland State in the NIT tonight, like 18-13 and 13 Cleveland State in whatever they're – I think they're in the uh, – what are they in? The NA, They're in the A-10? Uh, they, no, they're with NKU. Horizon. Horizon, yeah. If they lose to a Horizon team, Travis Steele can kiss his Xavier career goodbye. There's, I mean, you play in the NIT, and if they happen to blow that somehow after, you know, the season that they've had, <laughs> that'd be really funny. I'm, I'm going to be watching uh, at least the score on that very closely, if not watching the game, because... Um, Man, what a what a fucking end of the season that would be if they managed to blow that one up. Uh, and like that would just be, um, I think the Cleveland State head coach was trying to get hired at a couple other places. I could be wrong, but like, I think uh, he was he led them to the NCAA tournament uh, last year, right? I I forget, but I think like, so. If it wasn't last year, it was the year before. Cleveland State was in. I remember that for sure. Cleveland State, like they were a more of a program for a while, and they've been good recently. Yeah. So Xavier, better watch out. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's good been fun watching our, watching our friends from the Roblox Pod uh, uh, really self-immolate over the yeah. <laughs> over the past <laughs> month and a half, and uh, it's been very enjoyable to watch. Um, and uh, they were making jokes about how uh, someone thought the game was at nine a.m. Uh, today, local time <laughs> at Centos Center. So. Um, I am just very excited to see what the crowd's like there. Um, uh, you remember Justin, um, our old, our old post that you made from, um, from our Barstool days about, uh, bubble bowl. And then the NIT logo comes yeah. crashing through <laughs> with the base boosted. God, that was so great. And then I still, I think I have it still saved somewhere picture of the uh the nit logo freshly yep. stickered on to the xavier court <laughs> so funny god i this, just think this i think ahead, justin sorry. we don't want to go to the nit because we live in a world of memes and people can just save pictures now you know and people don't yeah. want the picture of the nit logo on uc's court <laughs> I think yeah that's well i mean i and i i am a, i'm on the i'm partial to that as well because i think um, you know, whoever, whoever said Cincinnati doesn't play in that shit, uh, I get it. Um, you know, Seems but also I'm with like you on 10 that years ago. <laughs> yeah. But also I, I think we all are on the same part as like, would we really want to see them play? Uh, I don't, it's, I think it's one of those things like Xavier's looking at right now is like, wow, we had a shit end to the rest of our season, uh, played our way out of any chance for the tournament. 
And now we're just going to risk making ourselves look like even more of asses by playing a team in the NIT that we could possibly for somehow, some way lose to. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do is accept an NIT invitation and then end up losing a game. Um, so maybe that's kind of the part where it's like just doubled the, or, you know, uh, sort of, you know, just play it off, let the season die where it is. Don't try to make it any worse. Um, it's not really going to get any better. Like is an NIT win or two or three really going to make you feel any better? Or is it just, you know, just let the season die. So I, I, I think that's honestly the perspective on it. And personally, I'm with it that I'm with that too, because, with the way our team played down the stretch, I'm really not confident that they would win a first round NIT game this year either. You would hope, but you never know, and I'd rather not take the hey, risk. But the Xavier's doing the, it for us. Going on the road in the NIT, man, that, it's yeah. a raucous environment. Um, yeah. Well, so the other thing, Justin, is that uh, I think CBS Sports was expecting Xavier to possibly be in the dance because uh, there was a, a recent promo for the soap opera Days of Our Lives uh, that went out over Twitter, uh, I think yesterday, Monday, as uh, we record, of uh, the two main stars of Days of Our Lives uh, in an argument, and the man uh, inviting the blue blob in as like the guy, as the girl he was cheating on his uh, uh, no way. other star with. I sent I sent you the video in the DMs. You got to check that out. But oh my then, god. There's a picture of the blue blob like looking from the windows uh, inside to it. So I, I, I'm going to have Justin watch this live. And, like, just Okay, here we go. Yeah, so skip to about on. the 30-second mark. Um, so like, as, I'm, as I'm talking about this, I think it's Joe Manganiello. I'm not sure, but it's Days of Our Lives and um, popular soap opera on CBS. And they make these promos every now and then to promote March Madness being on CBS and partner networks. <laughs> and so uh, this time it was using the mascot of Xavier's Blue Blob, which uh, I guess they used because their musketeer mascot was too scary for children. So yeah. the Blue Blob uh, comes into the scene as uh, the, the secret lover that the man has been <laughs> with. Um, oh, this yeah, this is Justin's live reaction to watching this. Uh, I guess this got filmed in New York while Xavier was there for one tournament game. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Steve. You got wait. Justin is playing the audio now. What's next? And the blue blob just walked. How did I not see this? I wish you would have texted me about this because, like, sometimes I miss. <laughs> I'm waiting for I'm waiting for him to like brush the blob's cheek just holding <laughs> bro that man this just goes to show what trash TV soap operas are this is my life <laughs> wow <laughs> that uh, that I'm I'm pissed that I missed that um I'm sure the savior guys ate that up oh wait now here hold on let me let me look at this <laughs> Bro, the young and the restless, and you know what they young say. Young and the restless. I'm sorry. The blue blob never tires; it just keeps on rolling. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's uh, that is something that I have seen today. That is definitely something. Um, well, speaking of uh, teams 
and uh, not making uh, March Madness. Uh, real quick, we're going to gloss over the AAC, um, who has, as we said earlier, two teams making um, the NCAA tournament in Houston as a five seed and Memphis as a nine seed, uh, with SMU left on the first four out, which I think is a bit of bullshit, but I think is the Bearcats' fault. I think if SMU does not lose that one game to Cincinnati, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure SMU sneaks their way in because A, that's one more win on the season, but B, I think that's one of their worst losses. Um so I, I, I guess that's where they're they're sitting there, but um, you know, if this what you've said about Colorado State doesn't end up working out or somebody just can't make it to the tournament, um SMU I believe is second or third in line um to fill in spots uh for any team that can't play. But I believe the deadline for that was either yesterday or is tonight. Um, for the teams to figure out whether or not they can or cannot play. Um, so regardless, that kind of sucks. Um, you would hope that with SMU, how well they played, that they would end up there. But uh, unfortunately, they're not. I don't know if they're playing in the NIT. Um, I would think S- SMU maybe is of the same mindset, even though they've had a rough couple years here and there, uh, that they don't play in that shit either. Um, that is for <laughs> Xavier and uh, the Little Blue Boys. Uh, so <laughs> regardless... Uh, brackets have been revealed, um, and of course, if you're like any good, good, diligent American, you've already filled out your bracket. Uh, Steve has filled out his bracket through the Sweet 16, and he's going to walk us through um, the rest of his picks and give us his logic, and I will as well, because I have filled out my full bracket. I already have my championship game, um, but why don't you run us through what your, what your, I guess if you have your Sweet 16 done... Um, who's going to your Elite Eight? All righty, Justin. In my Sweet 16, in the West Regional, I have Gonzaga taking on UConn, number five seed, making it through. And I have Texas Tech taking on Duke. So in the West Regional, I am going to say that Texas Tech is going to have a better advantage uh, just from home court. And this will be Coach K's last ever game in the Sweet 16 <laughs> until he inevitably comes back for one more season. Uh, oh, so yeah. <laughs> I'm taking Texas Tech to play in the Elite Eight, and they will meet Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Gotcha. Uh, UConn has the firepower, but I feel like they're not fully operational yet under Danny Hurley. Uh, yep. Next, Bengals fan Danny Hurley, by the way. Uh, shout yeah. out. Uh, next, in the East Regional, I have... Baylor taking on upstart St. Mary's Gales with the former UC Bearcat Logan Johnson. Ooh. Do you know who I have St. Mary's Gales beating in the second round to get to the Sweet 16? That's right. Uh, would that be our sweet Eggman, Mr. The sweet Mick Eggman, Cronin? angry elf Mick Cronin, and his UCLA Bruins with um, guys that are somehow, oh, Magic still, Dragon. somehow still on the team from when we that ass in uh 2019 in 2018 at fifth third that game I really think, uh, uh cody riley is still on the team and he's one no of the guys way he's one of the guys that's holding his face uh down in his hands when like the final score graphic is up on the up on the thing after we clown them for so many years for that oh so, yes i still remember his <laughs> face so uh, i am going to take the Baylor Bears to advance to the Elite Eight, and they will be playing Justin. Um, I'm going to take 
the Kentucky Wildcats. I feel like Kentucky is just uh-huh. too much for Purdue in this other matchup here in the East Regional. And uh, Purdue, uh, much like Xavier, can never get to a Final Four. So uh, in the South Regional, uh, my new home of Arizona uh, is in uh, the Sweet 16. Hello. The dog is down here going to help me <laughs> with some picks. So, um, So I have... Arizona playing against our American and future Big 12 conference mates, the Houston Cougars. Uh, it is Cougars. sometimes about the Cougars, but it's not all about the Cougars this time, as I will have Arizona advancing to yep. the Elite Eight. And then next time, uh, I have, in this other South matchup, I have the Tennessee Volunteers against the Loyola Ramblers. Now, the Loyola Ooh. Ramblers got to the Sweet 16 because they knocked off Villanova and Justin. I think uh, Loyola is just uh, hell bent on ruining uh, people's days and getting all the way (laughs) to the Sweet 16 every year now. So, uh, Sister Jean will stay alive. Will oh, that's that's a bad joke. That's bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So, and Loyola Chicago will meet Wildcats in the Elite Eight in the Midwest Regional. Uh, these this is a great corn matchup. Uh, I have Kansas oh, yeah. meeting Iowa in the Sweet Sixteen, uh, and I also have Wisconsin meeting uh, the Meme Lords of the Auburn Tigers uh, in in the other go. matchup. And listen, I think I'm going to go big a little bit Big Ten heavy on this one. I'm going to go Iowa and Wisconsin meeting each other. I don't think Kansas has it this year, and uh, watching Iowa. I kill my Bearcats twice, and uh, Jordan Bohannon still being on the team somehow. Somehow. Um, And they've somehow still played better and won the Big Ten, even without Luka Garza and C.J. Frederick. Um, Yep. And Wisconsin, the Wisconsin team was a lot of fun this year, so um, I also have them going to the Elite Eight. Okay. Uh, Do you want to keep going, or do you want to break this down, or what? Well, uh, might as well keep it rolling. Here, I'll give you my Elite Eight real quick. All right, let's hear it. Um, my elite eight, uh, nothing too, too crazy, but there is one that will catch you a bit off guard. Um, so in the, uh, West, I guess we're at here. I'm trying to remember where Gonzaga is. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, Gonzaga playing Duke. Um, I firmly would love to see coach K get, uh, knocked out early, um, but I have a feeling that after losing at home to UNC um, and just not being able to pull through um, after the <laughs> kind of more hectic end to Duke's pretty good season, uh, they'll pull through and they'll actually beat Gonzaga um, and make it through to the Final Four. Uh, I guess I'm skipping ahead a little bit here. But also um, in the other half of that bracket, I have Baylor which is no surprise, who I picked to win last year and who did uh, against Gonzaga. So I actually had the championship game perfect last year, but they were both one seed, so that's nothing too crazy. Um, Baylor playing against the Hokies. Wow. Virginia Tech is going to make a run. And do you want to know why I think Virginia Tech will make a run in this tournament? They knocked the Xavier Musketeers out of the NCAA tournament. Not quite. Um, is it Virginia? Because... Why, why? Why is that, Justin? Uh, it would be because Virginia Tech's end to their season included uh, 
beating Louisville. Oh, sorry. Wait, wrong, wrong Virginia. Here we go. Hold on. Whoops. I wanted to read these off. Yeah. You, yikes. Okay. Included. Um, let's just go through their March games. They beat Louisville. They lost to Clemson, but then proceeded to beat Clemson in the second round of the ACC tournament. They then beat Notre Dame in the quarterfinal, 87 to 80. They then beat North Carolina, number 25 ranked North Carolina, in the semifinal. And then in the final, beat Duke 82 to 67, number seven Duke. So I believe that as long as they get through Texas, I think they are firmly cruising straight through to the Elite Eight. I don't think they're going to have any issues. Um, I think they've had a great, you know, end to their regular season and with the conference uh, championship running through and winning the whole thing. Um, I think they're a bit better than the 11 seed that they got. Um, and clearly they proved that, you know, making a good run. So I'd like to see them uh, in the Elite Eight, but hopefully that doesn't get busted. Uh, regardless, not to kill too much time on here, um, I have nothing too crazy here with Arizona and Villanova playing one another. Um, and then as well to round out the rest of the Elite Eight, I have Iowa playing Auburn, um, which would mean that Iowa would also be upsetting Kansas. But in my Sweet 16, I had LSU making it, which might come as a surprise to some people, considering that they just lost their head coach, um, who has been fired. Uh, we will we will find out whether or not he gets arrested. I don't think he'll get arrested, but you never know. It's it it's uh, how far the FBI gets into this whole thing. Um, um, I think LSU has too good of talent to, uh, personally, I think they have too good of talent to lose to, uh, Colgate and or Iowa state, but we'll see. Maybe they get upset in the first round because that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my elite eight, uh, puts through Duke against Gonzaga, uh, puts through Baylor beating out Virginia tech. Puts through Arizona, beating out Villanova, and puts Iowa, beating out Auburn. So, why don't you give me your final four? All righty. So, I am going to start off in the West region, and I will have Texas Tech Red Raiders advancing to the final four over Gonzaga. Uh, I really like this Texas Tech team over the year, uh, over the, the year and I think – even though they lost their coach, uh, Chris Beard to Texas, I think they've just, I think they've improved from it, honestly. And so I am take, I've been on the red Raider train for a while, so they'll probably lose in the first round somehow. Um, (laughs) uh, in the, yeah, in the East regional, I'm going to take, uh, the Kentucky wildcats. I think their, their length is just too much for Baylor. I think Baylor is good, but, Kentucky has been able to shoot lights out at times, play well, and as long as they're shooting well, they'll be a good. They're going to be a tough out. So I'm going to take Kentucky. Uh, in the South Regional, I'm sticking with the new home. I'm going with Arizona advancing to the Final Four um, because I think the magic will run out for Sister Jean and the Loyola Ramblers by then. <laughs> Uh, Gryffindor yeah. will not be able to make it to another Final Four. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then in the Midwest Regional, the the Farmageddon to end all Farmageddon's. Um, I forget what the football <laughs> rivalry for this this game is, but Iowa and Wisconsin. I am going to take 
the Badgers of Wisconsin. I think, ah. I think Big Cat deserves another trip to the Final Four just to get his heart broken again. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take Wisconsin Badgers. So my Final Four is Texas Tech against Kentucky and Arizona against Wisconsin. I like to try to stay away from all one seeds because obviously that makes yeah. sense. But um, I, I got a two three seeds, a two seed, and one seed. I feel like we're, you know, got got a little bit of um, spread there. Well, there you go. Well, yeah, I'm I'm uh, not as much spread. Got a uh, two one seeds with Baylor and Arizona, and of course uh, Duke number two uh, in Iowa. So, with that said, uh, who's going to be in your championship game, and who's going to win the whole thing? Whole whole damn thing. So having the whole thing. This is in New Orleans, so. I'm going to say yep. the West Coast travels large and they will Arizona to win on Saturday. And UK will end up winning out over the Texas Tech Red Raiders on that Saturday as well, making for an all-Wildcat national championship game. Oh. There you go. This is the year, Justin. UK finally gets back and does it because it's back in... New Orleans, where they won their 2012 title, and they have another guy who can rebound just as good as Anthony Davis. His name is Oscar Sheepway. So I unfortunately will have to go against the new home state, and I will take the Kentucky Wildcats win it all. And that kind of pains my heart to say that, really, because (laughs) uh, I kind of laugh at Kentucky when they lose. But um, to be honest, Justin, other than the Bearcats, I haven't watched much college basketball this year. Other than um, Arizona, who I've seen a couple times just because they've been very good uh, and they've got a lot of length, um, I think Kentucky has been some of the, one of the hottest teams I've seen all year, even though they didn't win uh, their tournament or their regular season. I think they have, I think they really can turn it on in tournament time. And I think they will, I don't know, I, it's just funny sometimes how the bracket works out. And then you look back and like, how did I get here? But yeah, <laughs> I think I think uh, UK is at least has the caliber to be that good because in December when they were firing on all cylinders, man, they looked like unbeatable. And then like beat they beat like Tennessee, who's a three seed this year. They beat them by like thirty points at home. Like they've had some moments where they just look like unstoppable. So I think yeah. I'm gonna end up with the Wildcats as my. Uh, as my national championship winner. There you go. I am going to have to also choose the Wildcats as my championship winner, but they are going to be beating Baylor, and those Wildcats are going to be the Arizona Wildcats. Oh! Um, (laughs) I think that they look uh, way too good this year. I've watched a couple Arizona games, um, and they have put the absolute beat down, uh, beat the brakes off of some teams, um, some quality teams too, so... I don't know. I think they look good. Um, Normally, I'm not going to give too much credit to the Pac-12, but I think they just have a little bit of everything, Um, and I think that they'll be able to stay hot enough to get through all the way to the end and win the whole damn thing. Unfortunately, in my bracket, it's going to be a one versus a one, Um, but um, you know, generally, that's a safe bet. I'm not putting any money on this one, but if I were, um, I think I'd have to go still with the ones. I think it's a little risky. Um, 
Now that we've covered all that, I want to just add this real quick before we cover Reds and Bengals. People are probably like, Jesus Christ, we're an hour through this episode. You still got more? Damn right we do. I have one last thing on the uh, NCAA tournament before we transition away. I made a bracket alongside my bracket that I just spoke to you about. And this bracket is all about free throws. And I would just like to tell you, um, it is a very interesting matchup. Uh, I will give you the Elite Eight of Free Throws Matter. So I took the stats of free throws for every single team. And this is really nerdy, but took the stats of free throws for every single team. And whoever had the better free throw percentage wins that game. And if they have the better free throw, or if they have a tied free throw percentage, uh, the higher seed wins that game. So that was the rule for this whole bracket. Um, the Elite Eight includes Arkansas playing uh, CS Fullerton. I want to say that's probably like California State, something like that, Fullerton, I would think. Um, I don't even know where they're from, but uh, a four uh, versus a 15. Cal State Fullerton, you're correct. Cal State, yeah. Uh, we have e- number eight UNC playing number six Texas. Uh, <laughs> this one's really going to catch you off guard here. We have 16 seed Wright or Bryant playing Villanova. Um, and we have South Dakota State playing Miami. I didn't know Wright uh, State was really like that, man. That's crazy. Yeah, but apparently they're like that. They're in the Elite <laughs> Eight. So uh, they, they all the way from the first four, mind you. Um, and so in the final four, we have a matchup of Cal State Fullerton, number 15 seed Cal State Fullerton playing number eight seed UNC. And we have number two seed Villanova playing number 13 seed South Dakota State, uh, which puts the championship game at something that wouldn't be too much of a surprise um, if this actually happened. I, I don't think I'd be caught off guard by any means, maybe more so by UNC who makes the championship game, but Villanova. Uh, winning that game um, in the final score prediction tiebreaker uh, is the percentage of them on the season, uh, which puts Villanova winning by 82 to a 77 score from UNC. Uh, so in the bracket of free throws matter. So Villanova kind of a rematch from that uh, 2016. Tiebreaker. Yeah. Which also was the only other time that I picked the final uh, two championship teams correct and picked the winner correctly. Oh, so nice. Um, of course, I don't think any of us would have expected the buzzer beater winner that we got out of that, which I have to say still in my mind goes down as the uh, best finish to a game uh, in any, any basketball game I've ever watched. Well, I mean, I, just what it means uh, and what it matters, like how much the is game seven one. When it comes to, <laughs> you can't do that to me, sir. When it comes to college basketball, that still, I remember watching that live. I have been a Raptors fan for a long time. For those of you who don't know, because uh, I don't talk about the Raptors too much on here, um, but they've actually been pretty decent this season. But regardless, I've been a Raptors fan for a really long time. Um, and when Kawhi hit that game winner there, I shed a tear. <laughs> it was it was uh, quite a shot. Um all the implications there and damn where you could not find a bad picture of that. It was just so, so cool. Um, but yeah, that, that I still think that championship game, uh, between Villanova and UNC, UNC is probably one of the coolest finishes to any basketball game. I've that ever was watched. awesome. Yeah. That was a hell of a 
hell of a game. I, that was the only two years where I picked the champion right, and I won my bracket pool. So, oh, nice. And uh, those both those years were with my friends, and we put up uh, Skyline gift cards for the winner. So I ate oh, there you go. A little chonky off of my my <laughs> winnings. So, well, I, Justin, I'm gonna do a, a three point bracket compared to that. Just like like I think oh, that's yeah. a, a smart idea. Well, um, speaking of threes. Um, the Reds like to trade away in threes. The Red like to uh, Reds like to um, kill every hope and dream that any any Cincinnati fan who was born after the year nineteen ninety well was born nineteen ninety one has ever hoped for. Um, the Reds officially uh, said fuck you to every fan um, throughout all of Reds country, and they traded away probably two of the three biggest energy guys on uh, this Reds roster over the past few years. They kissed Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez goodbye in a deal to the Mariners, and they also dealt away Sonny Gray. Um, life sucks right now if you're a Reds fan, uh, and you you know so many of the details because you stay so close to the Reds. Um, I, as a, you know adamant but still fairly distant fan at least in much comparison um i find this heartbreaking what what do you have to say about this because to me this sucks a lot like i think this is worst case scenario they were supposed to make the playoffs last year uh if the new format had been implemented the 12 team format um would have been implemented the reds would have been in it and uh, it's disheartening to see after a year where the finally the Bengals were the shining light of the city for once and not the Reds. Um, the, the Bengals decide to spend more money and get more free agents than the Reds have signed for the past, not this offseason, but the past two offseasons. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> Justin, I think it comes down to one thing. Reds went all in on winning after six years of a bad rebuild and they pick the worst possible off season to go all in on winning, hoping that fans would come to the ballpark, uh, which was the off season before the 2020 season that uh, if you remember, didn't allow fans. So they really, um, yep. I was reading something today about uh, how Castellini's ownership style has changed. And um, so the guy that he, um, so the guy bought the team in 2006, you know, and he, he he gets killed on every Reds social media post in the replies for uh, uh, when his one of his bullet points was to build a consistent winning culture um, and one and he wants to bring championships to Cincinnati. Um, but there's a, a report from a uh, John Fay who is not a, no longer a reporter uh, with any news outlet, but uh, he still has a Facebook, so he'll write every now and then about the Reds on his personal Facebook. And he wrote something about how uh, in the early days, Castellini was so hell bent on winning that he fired the guy that was there when he bought the team, who was the GM who presented him with a four to five year plan of winning. And he's like, no, 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 we got to do it now. So he, um, <laughs> so he fired that guy. And then uh, over the, over the years, as the, as the winning didn't work, uh, he got softer and softer on wanting to win. And he finally accepted a rebuild and took all that time. And then he grew restless and was like, okay, now we need to spend. And like I said, that offseason he chose to spend 
was unfortunately one of the worst off seasons to ever spend if you're a team like the Reds who really kind of well, don't have to, but like the ownership depends on selling tickets and getting people in the stands in order to uh, pay for players. And uh, so that's it's an unfortunate reason why they're trading two team favorites, but this time it doesn't even feel like it's like, oh yeah, there's a horizon on the future. This time uh, it feels just very personal. <laughs> it feels like, yeah. <laughs> yes, you love these guys. Nope, not anymore. They're gone. Say goodbye. Cause I control your fate. Um, <laughs> and I just don't get it. Like, the point of a baseball team is to bring people joy. The point of sports really is to bring people joy. And obviously, a lot of owners are in it for the, the love of the game in any sport, but solely they're in it to make money. And uh, sports team values have risen year over year for many years on end now. And uh, with Moegger tweeted out on Monday that without the Reds making any step doing anything they earn 54 million dollars just from tv contracts which god they're they're getting to me uh justin they're hearing me talk and they want to silence me (laughs) but i will press on (laughs) no they they just uh i don't know it's just frustrating man they gave up they wanted to get off eugenio suarez's contract which i understand because they have two bad contracts at third base costing over uh, combined over $25 million and decided to give away the one that was the fan favorite and Mariners uh, asked for another fan favorite um, for the price of taking on all that dead money uh, from Gino and the Reds seemed to be all too happy to do it because uh, in the press conference, uh, Nick Kroll said that the trade came together at about 5 p.m. Sunday the day prior, and uh, he seemed all too happy to be uh, parting with, uh, like, one of the guys that's grown up here and two guys that have really grown up here and become fan favorites through some really lean years. And, Justin, I'm not willing to say that, like... (laughs) Justin, they're really trying to get to me, I swear. Like, they're (laughs) trying to silence me. Um... (laughs) While I won't say that it's over and, you know, there's always a chance for a new beginning and a new time to start fresh and really hope that, like, you know, things will go better. Uh, it really just, it hurts, you know, and it hurts to see a team that was so close last year get gutted. Now, yep. if I'm going to be a complete devil's advocate without any sense of fandom in me, I look back on that team as like, well, they weren't good enough, and why would you think that bringing them all back together would be good enough again uh, to make the the playoffs if you're not adding anything else to it? You know, and yeah, <coughs> oh Jesus, <laughs> they are uh, they are they clearly didn't want to add anything to it, so they're stripping it down and. The craziest thing to me is that the GM was like, uh, we're still going to be active in the free agent market. Bitch, no, you're not. <laughs> like, don't. Yeah. The expression, I believe, is uh, don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. Like, uh, you know, don't tell me <laughs> one thing when it's clearly the other thing. And it would be kind of funny if they, like, 
spent all this money and then just re-signed Cast uh, gave up all of this money and then re-signed Cassianos and then signed like Carlos Correa or some like huge name and they're like here's the new team yeah. and uh we were like what like no yeah <laughs> but, I don't know I mean I've some point like the ownership's got to wonder like is this worth it really to like just keep tearing down the team and just hoping that make enough money every game to just get back our investment because probably only going to invest like 70 million dollars into the team and six million of that is going being paid to one uh ken griffey jr um still being paid by the reds after all these years wow so that actually i didn't know that's actually pretty crazy yeah, he's the fifth highest um guy making money on the team this year or the sixth highest um which is crazy so how how, how does that work ken uh, griffey jr has been they deferred off the reds Gave him a big contract, Since. but they deferred. It was kind of like Bobby Bonilla, where they deferred his money for years on end, uh, and they didn't give it to him all up front. So I think he's getting paid until twenty twenty five. Jesus, man, that <laughs> so, that's nutty. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm obviously have a very similar mindset. Um, I think that now, considering the deals out, I'm not just looking at. Uh, Winker and Suarez being gone. I'm I'm looking more even closely uh at the rest of the uh roster because if I'm Joey Votto, I've spent my entire career with one team. Um the team finally has a contender. Um they have promised to make the playoffs um and actually get something done. And for the first time ever they get there and now it's all being stripped away. So if I'm Joey Votto, I don't want to waste the last year or two of my career um, playing in front of what will probably be no more than 10,000 fans uh, for most of the season. I don't want to waste it on that. I want to go to a contender and I want to play um, a B after seeing everything that's happened over the course of Joey Votto's career. I can't imagine that he would feel in any way, you know, excited to, you know, play. Like there's there's no reason. Like they they took away two key guys um in our in our roster. And I think it just sucks that, you know, your clubhouse morale is gonna go down. Hey, you have you have all that happening. And then you look at a guy like Jonathan India. And you look at a guy like Castellanos, I think we had a chance. You keep Winker, you keep Suarez. I think you have a chance. Like that's that's genuine like ties. Those are guys that Castellanos obviously obviously loved Winker. Like they had a good relationship. And with them gone, like what what reason does he have to return? He's returning to a team that clearly is saying we are not going to contend. Like we're done. We're stripping it away. Um and you know, for 5 6 years of a super super shitty rebuild to give it up after one, two tries, um, I think just goes to show like the Castellinis, uh, have, uh, do what they want (laughs) and, and they don't care. Like you said, it's, it's just about making money for them. And it's not like a, it's, they don't care about the success of the team. They just care about lining their pockets. And I, like I said, I was getting to is if I'm Jonathan India, you know, I'm a rookie. He's got what another two or three years on his deal before he goes, you know, to sign a new deal. I mean, if he's seen the way all of this has happened, what 
you know, what respect is he going to have for the franchise and say, Hey, I should stick around. Like he's going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to end up exactly like Joey Votto and play my whole career here. And it's going to be wasted. Like I, if I'm Jonathan India, that's what I'm thinking. And of course, like he's really good friends with Winker and Castellanos, you know, and if both of them aren't here, he's just going to be, you know, he'll make his money. He'll get his new deal probably when, you know, it comes time to sign. But what reason does he have to stay in Cincinnati other than the money? I mean, I think that's what happened to Joey Votto. Joey Votto stayed here because he was going to get these huge deals, but Joey Votto could have played on championship teams. He could have contended. And now, unfortunately for him, I think that's just the thing that he's got to come to grips with that his career in Cincinnati either has to end or it's going to end on a bad note. Um, and it's, you know, I, I, I feel bad for every, every single player on that roster. Like they're just, you know, I, the Reds trading for prospects have done it so many times. I actually saw something. Um, I still follow uh, Zach Cozart. He just posted something um, earlier too about like saying like, yeah, this sucks. I feel so bad for you guys. This is exactly what happened to me. And it's like, I know what this is like. And it's like, I've been there. And I remember too, when they're trading away these pieces, like sure, you know, some of these deals, you get a good player in here or there, but I, from, from everything that we've seen from the Reds and free agency, I have no reason to believe they're going to make any big moves. Like, I mean, of course, like Correa would be huge if you get, um, you could even go for like Chris Bryant too. He's still a free agent. Are they going to do that? Probably not. Like, and you know, your biggest, your biggest person to sign would have been keeping Castellanos. But like I said, you deal away these guys. I, if I'm Castellanos, like I may have wanted to, you know, test the waters for money, but maybe I liked my guys. Shit. Now what's the point? Like, just go somewhere else. There's no way you retain Cost. If they retain Costianos in this, I will be floored. Yeah. I, I will be massively surprised if they can maintain him, but I really just don't see it happening. Well, I, so I think he'll end up with, like, the Phillies or someone who has the money to pay him, and it's just, like, so so frustrating, you know? And just, yeah. oh, it's hard because finally the, the Bengals are spending money. We can transition into them mm -hmm. because I don't feel like being – choked out from my computer by the Reds organization anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just the changing of the guards now. And like, and I don't even think that Mike Brown is like that much better. I think he's just, obviously he got the right quarterback and then like he's, you know, getting lucky and hitting on good signings. And they obviously, there are things that worked right now. And I'll, yeah. obviously the Reds are just kind of dumping it all down. And the crazy thing is too, Justin, the young guys on the roster and in the organization, good. There's a lot of good players yeah. that could be coming up within the next three, four years. But um, I think as Reds fans, we would have all liked to see uh, them get sprinkled in or used in trades for bigger players rather than just be like, okay, here you are. Go into the fire, everybody. Like <laughs> We're tossing right. in clean and no protection at all. And I, I, think, I think at this point they're going to just – want to try and trade everybody that doesn't make makes like more than three million dollars because i don't know they seem cruel and unusual and um i hope joey Votto just goes to like some team that gives him a chance to win because like i feel i just feel for him and yeah obviously he he stated before that he doesn't really feel like playing well tom brady's age and that's coming up soon you know yeah. and um I feel like they've just wasted his entire career just by being an incompetent organization. And it's just frustrating. Yeah. And I'm, I'm well, and it sucks because like, he's going to be a, I would think he'd be a certified hall of famer, but it's going to be 
like you said, it's wasted. It's just been wasted, and he's only been to the playoffs three times, and just so frustrating. <laughs> I it, it's <sighs> like it. I like I said, I I feel bad for all the fans, and I feel bad for myself, but I don't want to be self pitying. But damn, I feel bad for the players, man. I and especially Joey Votto. Yeah. Like this just is. He's seen this happen time and time and time again throughout his entire career, and he finally gets a team, you know, and enough pieces together that really makes it look like it could happen, or at least contend. And they just strip it all away. Like it, it's, I, you know, I, the way I look at it, if if anything is going to happen out of this team that would make me look back on this positively, I, I, there better be a fucking Moneyball two made in, in like ten years about the Cincinnati Reds and how they, you know, cut contracts, how they cut their all star players. Said no, we're gonna go for this. We're look, we're reading the stats. We're gonna, we're gonna go all in and do something about it. Like it's, there better be some strategy behind it because right now, like you said, I mean, you know, not even going just off of emotion. It really just looks like they're just stripping the team down to its bare bones to try to. You know, I don't even, I wouldn't even call it a rebuild. I think they're just going with what they got and they're, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a poor man's franchise. And if anything I see right now, it just proves that the MLB needs a salary cap. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, because I think that this conversation does not happen if we have a salary cap. Well, so I, I understand why the players don't want it, but I think a salary floor is needed because while the Reds are still yeah. at 75,000, like the Cleveland Guardians are, Paying their entire roster uh, twenty five million dollars this year, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates are paying their entire roster twenty two million dollars this year. Like, like that's just that's incompetence. And like you know that I don't like. What's the point of owning a baseball team if you're just yeah your team's just gonna lose? You know, like that's just such loser mentality. Oh, I'm gonna make money off of this and like not have to touch it ever. And it's just like you're. <laughs> You can do that with your own mutual fund, your own 401k, right. but your 401k is not uh, what a lot of people like do with their daily lives and like care about and invest emotional uh, emotions and time and money into. And like, I, I just don't, I've, always, I've long thought, and I've, I thought this for a while too with the Bengals that like, if you're not trying to run it like Barry Jones, who's like kind of just, the Cowboys just for fun, you know, then yeah, you're not running it right. Like run your business like, you know, in ways that cost uh, saves money and stuff, but don't run be a rich guy. Like flaunt yeah. flaunt your success. Like try to I mean, Steve Cohen is doing that right now with the Mets and the Mets are signing people left and right. They're going to go over that threshold and they're only going to have to pay like a small tax for it and like uh the Castellini group was one of the team people that voted against the raised salary cap because they were worried that Steve Cohen might go over it. And he's, yeah, that's the New York Mets owner who's worth like $15 billion. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'm going over it. Why not? And just so frustrating, yeah. man, to see a historically mediocre team, would you say is fair for the Mets and uh, see them yeah. be bought by someone and just, I mean, it's the Chelsea effect, you know, like, uh, yeah. Obviously, their their owner now is being sanctioned for connections to Russia. But when that guy <laughs> bought the team back in two thousand three, uh, after that he put about two billion dollars into buying players and um, improving the team, and they've won Premier League titles, FA Cups, Champions Leagues, and 
basically yep. it's all attributed to him infusing that money into the team. And like me, it's a straight line effect of put money in, win championships. Like that, you know, obviously in salary cap sports, that doesn't work, but in baseball, there's still no salary cap and you can put yeah. a bunch of money in and win. That's true. Well, and that, I mean, that's the thing too, is like the Mets are what they're probably looking at like cat or, you know, they're sitting right around what 250 million now on their payroll. And they're, it's some like stupid number. Like it, it's, I mean, that's, I I'm, I'm no good at math, but that's at least bare minimum three times, like probably three and a half times what the entire Reds organization has spent on their payroll. And like, I, it's that to me, like, I think that's where I just look at, you know, you know, salary caps. I really, I don't believe that that is fair. And it, like, that doesn't, that doesn't make the sport exciting. And I think a salary cap would at least, um, you know, even out some teams. But again, it's, you know, for these owners, it's like, why am I, you know, and from their part is why am I not allowed to spend more if I want to win more, you know? And unfortunately, not every owner has that same mindset, especially not Castellini. I just, if you don't have the money, it's okay. Just say you don't have it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, just frustrating, dude. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Like, why even, like, why, Justin? Why own a team if you're just going to not do anything with it? That's just kind of, it's just so boring. And, like, you can yeah. do much. I mean, obviously, you're not going to make as much money as you will with the team, but you can do so much better things than just, like, buy something and sit on it. Like, for example, Justin, like, if you, if I ever got, there's this really rare bottle of bourbon. It's called Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it costs about, like, 250 bucks a bottle. You have to enter in a lottery or you have to buy it in an auction. A lot of people will sell that, huh. sell that bottle just because of its future value or say like oh yeah you could make this much money in the future and i'm the kind of person who just likes to enjoy things when i have them and i'm cracking that bottle uh, bottle open and uh, taking a swig man like i'm i'm not <laughs> not just gonna let that sit and collect dust yeah which unfortunately uh that is all that castellini has done and and i asked the i put this on the outline we don't have to go into super detail about this but like you really like there there i don't see anything there's no there's no thing on castellini's resume sheet that says that he has accomplished anything since he got there and, and you know the worst part of it is you look at 2006 you know in 2006 i was what like eight years old so like, and, and, and this is the same case for so many people our age, but like, we just want to see somebody care about this team when it comes to the ownership or front office. And I think, you know, we had the same conversation about the Bengals. Um, and I think now at least, you know, I, I think really what happened is obviously Paul Brown got, or, uh, Mike Brown got lucky, uh, that Joe Burrow just happened to be there. You know, maybe there's tanking. Maybe we'll hear about some FBI case where, you know, kind of like with Flores, like they got paid to tank, whatever. We got Burrow, and things started to turn around. He let Zach Taylor make his moves. They, you know, did what they needed to do. They fielded a team, and the team just played right in three games. They played right good all season, but they played what they needed to do well in three games. And that showed Mike Brown 
well, shit, if this is the, if this is what we can get to, I, if I keep putting my money in, I'll probably get more money out. And unfortunately the Reds just haven't had that point in time where, you know, the, I think in baseball, like the, the playoffs are so much, um, are so much harder to reach and they have been for a while. But now you look at this as like trying to succeed at this level. Um, you know, even for Castellini, I mean, to the same point and kind of playing devil's advocate is, you know, these teams, unfortunately, haven't been bringing in a shit ton of money because they haven't been going to playoffs and winning. But God damn it, you got to keep something there as a baseline. And, you know, again, like we've said, it just it it sucks. Like, it really sucks to see that, you know, these owners just couldn't care less and they'd rather just, you know, have a car collection than drive every car in it. And it's cool and, to see too how like the Bengals have surrounded their star with more more guys to protect him and support him and yeah help him get on his eventual mission of winning a Super Bowl and the Reds are like J- Joey eh, you know the build, yeah. build around him we'll draft a couple guys we'll see there's two Joeys in Cincinnati and one is definitely uh, getting the support right now and the other one has not gotten shit Speaking his of entire Joey career. B, should we talk about a yeah. couple of transactions? Yeah. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we start off with the we'll start off with the one negative transaction, which people will find positives in still, um, so that we can just get to straight positives. Is that uh, CJ Uzama has been dealt to uh, the Jets for twenty five million dollar contract, I believe, over three years. I believe I'd have to check that again, but I, that's what came to my mind. I think that's right. Um, but it's it's going to suck to lose CJ, especially you know another energy guy for a team but regardless there were so many weapons on this team um you know i would never want to say like we're not going to miss cj um but i think his spot is swappable and i think that you know it's good for him he's going to be able to get the bag uh you know i think as a tight end we've seen the worst of the worst when it comes to a guy like eifert you know if you can get your money get it when you can because you know if if injuries start to tear away at you or something like that um, you know, obviously your health is going to be priority. Um, and you know, you just don't, you, while, while you still have that chance, make your money, even if you're going to a team like that, like I, CJ knows he's stepping down very far, um, in level of contention, um, for things like that. But you know, he, he'll be able to provide for him himself and his family. And, um, so I don't know, I feel good about that for him. Um, and I think for the Bengals, it's a fair, you know, it's a fair, um, place to be in. And I think that they can fill that up. Um, but I have to ask you this question since we're on the point of tight end. Do you think that Bengals will um, pull somebody in free agency or do you think they'll try to draft a tight end? I think that we will draft somebody just because like there's, you can try and get like OJ Howard or somebody like that from the market. But I think there's just not going to be that market that the Bengals would want and to tie up money into right now. So um, I could see us drafting somebody, possibly like a third round guy, you know, our uh, our guy Travis uh, ended up being drafted in the third round, and also George Kittle, I think, was drafted in the third round. Uh, so somebody in that range would be nice, but uh, I think the draft route would be better for the Bengals just because like CJ was definitely a good a good team guy, a good morale guy, and a, a good leader. But um, I think our guy Josh Miller said it best in our group chat yesterday that like he wasn't as effective in the red zone near the end of the season, and he was. Kind of, I mean, obviously he got hurt before before the Super Bowl and got hurt in the AFC Championship game. But 
still think the Bengals can like improve and try to find someone better and been running like he was kind of just a wide receiver anyway. He wasn't really a blocking tight end. He was a wide receiver. So if they got another space for a wide receiver to get in there and uh, try to get some, we get some more yards. That'd be great. But obviously we miss, we're going to miss CJ just because uh, he is, uh, he was just the morale and the leader. And I feel like he was just the hype man the entire year. It's just weird to see the hype man leave. But um, Justin, have you, did you follow up on anything about uh, CJ and like, Kay Adams, like, do you know anything about that? No. So is that a thing? I don't know. I I just saw like emoji eyes when uh, Kay Adams like saw that CJ had signed with Jets, and like I don't know. There, I mean, it's probably just Twitter fodder. I'm sure like Kay and CJ are not together or anything, but (laughs) I saw something where like a apparently like she came for that. um, I think it was the Niners game. And she didn't stay. Yeah. She didn't stay for the entire game, uh, which is kind of funny. But uh, maybe there's something there between uh, Kay and CJ. Who knows? But um, uh, it'd be interesting. <laughs> um, uh, it would be interesting. <laughs> CJ just signed in New York just to be closer to his girlfriend. So I mean, <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, she's okay. You know, she's. <laughs> we all got to make our moves. Yeah, we understand, uh, my she's, man. She's a move, you know. So. Um, <laughs> Other than that, I really liked what they did yesterday. They re-signed B.J. Hill, um, lost Larry Ogunjobi, but I think they really prioritized B.J. Hill uh, after getting him in that trade from the Giants uh, for Billy Price. Mm-hmm. Um, who said the Bengals never trade? Not me. Not never. Yeah. I, I never said that. <laughs> they won that deal. I'll tell you that much. Definitely. Um, and, like, Billy Price ended up doing okay this this year, too, for the Giants. Um, but I think uh, the signing of the two... Uh, like somebody called them glass eaters in an article I read, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like two tough nosed guys who want to come play for uh, for Joe Burrow. And uh, obviously, I guess Ryan Jensen was supposed to be that third guy or the first choice for this Bengals team to, uh, to sign in free agency, but he apparently uh, got beat out by uh, Father Time Tom Brady coming back for twenty yeah. third season. So. Uh, Jensen re-signed with the Bucks, and but uh, they still got Frank Kappa and uh, Tom Karras or Ted Karras. I forget who. It Well, oh. they could just one more staple to add to this uh, O line. If they can go and snag uh, JC Treader uh, off the Browns, the Browns just cut him oh. uh, to save like eight mil. The Bengals, as we all have known, going uh, into the Super Bowl um, had like the second highest salary cap in the NFL. Um, I'm I'm sure that was still true uh, by that point. I would think uh, that's the number that I remember in my head. But regardless had a very uh, large amount of space to play with and large amount of money to play with. Um, And so if they can just sign one more stud like that, you know, a top 10 kind of guy um, at his position in the NFL, I really think this team can go far. Um, Obviously, we already know they can make it to the Super Bowl, but I think this could be a legit 
threat um, as long as we could get everybody to stay healthy. Um, and it's at least nice to be excited about uh, the Bengals going into the next season because I think for a while, like we, you know, we, we've always been excited, like, oh, you know, like, cool, we've got a couple more pieces. We'll see what happens. And then this year, it's like, wow, the things really came together. And now we're looking at, you know, going into this next season, it's like, why wouldn't we be in the Super Bowl? Like, the, there's, there's always been questions, but like now, like it's a, that's our, that's our goal to get to now, um, and to have that as a, you know, as an objective, I think is a really cool place to be in as a fan, especially when, um, you know, everything at Reds is happening. Um, and the worst part too that I'm just now coming to the realization, uh, not really the realization, but um, that I find funny is that uh, I've been ragging on FC Cincinnati and the Reds all season like off season long and now it's like oh my god thank god the mlb figured out a deal we're gonna get baseball back we're gonna have opening day all these things are gonna happen and then they just said you know what you're gonna wish we didn't figure that out (laughs) i mean i'm at the point where like I I I want to I don't want to end this off on this cuz it's so negative but I really do have to know as a fan uh I think all of us are in the same point we want to we want to show that we're pissed off um and you know sometimes Twitter doesn't always cut it uh so how are you going to how are you going to protest the reds are you going to protest the reds how will you how will you make them hurt the way that you hurt well, I can't go to any games at Great American Ballpark right now. So, well, there you go. Um, I, there was a uh, there was a post a, a protest scheduled for tonight at Great American Ballpark uh, with uh, a couple of the younger fans and trying to incentivize other people to come and uh, voice their uh, disdain for the trades and uh, for not winning. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, listen, I mean. I mean I don't know. I'm probably on the wrong side of this, but uh, I'm I mean, I'm still going to watch the games, of course. Like I I'm a I'm a fan and I'm going to be a fan and I also have a vested interest in like running the Reds account that I follow uh, that I do on the side uh yeah. <laughs> uh ATBBTTR uh with our buddies uh Donnie and Rob, but I don't know. I just definitely not going to be the same investment for me this year like i'm not i used to i probably watched every game over the past three years and now i'm definitely not going to do that just because i just probably better things for me to do every night you know and i know i'll have it on the background but you know i'm still in school and like i'm just be doing other stuff you know work and like we got our new puppy and just but i mean that's like if if the reds were still good i'd be making time and I think that's just the thing yeah. with our generation now, Justin, is I don't think it's about how like the sports have gotten be, to be a better live viewing experience. I think it's about just what's worth our time because our time right. is so valuable now and we have so many different options to choose from to entertain ourselves that like, we want to choose probably what gives us the most joy, what makes us happiest. And yeah, the Reds are just aren't going to make me the happiest this year, you know, just because they yeah. intentionally hamstrung the team and took away a lot of the cho- choices. And now to, you know, for the account, I'll probably be following a lot of the young guys and just say like, Hey, this is where these guys are at. And like, obviously like cheering on the old, older guys as what, as they like go on to their new places. And um, I hardly think that's the last move that uh, there's probably going to be at least one more, but 
Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just frustrating. Uh, and like, I <laughs> think of, I think everybody in Cincinnati uh, for a while has grown up just even whether the Reds were good or bad. I think we just always are just used to like, yep, Reds baseball, seven o'clock, turn on the TV and it's there. And yep. I wonder if this group of fans who just saw this happen and uh, probably know that Votto's going to be gone sooner rather than later just because his contract's up in two years and he's 37. Like, there's going to be no connection to that real run of 2009 to 2010 where people were really excited. Yeah. Like, there's going to be no more connection to that. And I think that's really going to hurt the bottom line. And, like, to me, like, as an owner, I want you want to make more money and try to, like, invest in a team that wins, bring more people to the ballpark, get more eyes on the television, have more people buying subscriptions, more season tickets. Like, to me, that that never computed. So I hope they can figure that yeah. out. And But won't be the number one priority. And I think we've talked about that, too, with UC basketball in the past, where I haven't made it a priority over the late end of the past two seasons to really – and my day around the game, like okay, games at seven. I got to be home at six. I get you know, gonna make dinner and yeah. then have like you know, sit on the couch and get ready for the game. Like you know, and I think it's just this—that's the simplest way I can put it, Justin. Like I don't know if you agree with me about like you know how we schedule out our time or what entertains us now, but I mean, if something's just not going to entertain us, we're not going to devote our time to it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you, and I think that's just sort of the. Um, like you said, it's part of our generation now too. Like our attention span is so much lower and, um, I don't even think, I think it's the attention span thing. Like, I feel like that's just an old man boomer take to just say, ah, oh, the kids don't have any attention. Well, no, <laughs> it's not even, not necessarily that. Like, I, I mean, more so is like kind of to more of your point where, you know, we're, we're seeking out the things that are going to, um, you know, make us the happiest. And unfortunately, like you said, I mean, it's just not going to be the Reds this year. And I, I, you know, if if for some reason, you know, this money ball shit works out and the Reds do do end up, you know, making something out of this season, that'll be interesting enough. But, um, you know, obviously we can all hope that the Reds make a big free agent signing. But I think that with the cuts that they just made, they just proved to us all what we already knew is that this team is run on the cheap and that's how it's going to continue to be. Um and unfortunately, the Reds are just going to have to be uh, there. There were the Reds fans are just going to have to wait. It's 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 going to be that much longer. I just re I remember very fondly sitting back in like 2018, 2019, thinking, you know what? In a couple years, this team could go to the World Series. This team could make a run in the playoffs. This team could do something like this or that. And, you know, now here we sit fresh out of fresh into 2022 and all our hopes and dreams are crushed. <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't know. We, we've, we have kept everyone for nearly two hours. Uh, so, uh, we don't want to keep you guys any longer. Um, Steve, I, I can't just end off on that. You have to give me something positive. Yeah, I do just have three things that... real quick, uh, to make you okay. maybe feel Good. a little bit better. Okay. Number one, Justin, um, Skyline is coming out again with their green noodles this Thursday in celebration of St. Oh, Patrick's yeah. Day. Um, were you have you ever tried them? And are you a fan yes. of food colorings? Yes, and yes. Okay, all right. I think cool. it is 
I think it's an electric atmosphere in Skyline on St. Patty's Day. Uh, it, it is very interesting for sure, but I think it's fun. Um, two, uh, Tari Eason posted on his Snapchat a picture of his old, old UC jersey. I'm sure he's just cleaning out his closets in order to get ready for the draft. But, man, how fun would that be to have uh, Tari Eason for one more season at UC? That was supposed to be a positive point, man. Now you're just making me sad. Well, hold on. I got I got a better one after <laughs> that. But like, sorry, I didn't mean to make you sad. I just was like that. That was a eyeball raising thing. That is an eyeball raising thing for sure. But uh, I can pretty much guarantee. Yes, he is cleaning out his closet. Uh, and if Tar Eason somehow comes back, I will be damned. I will be damned. I would put. I'd. I'd be able to put my savings on it right now that that man will not come back. Like of all the places he could go with his uh, NBA draft prospects, that man is going to be a first rounder certified. And if he were to come back to Cincinnati, I'd be willing to dig my own grave. <laughs> I'll dig it with you, buddy. Uh, okay, another <laughs> uh, uh, optimistic thing. So uh, the U.S. Senate today on March 18th passed a ruling that. Uh, they would that would that would eliminate daylight savings time um in the united states so uh and it just has to go through the house to be approved before it gets the president's desk because that's how things work so would you be in favor of eliminating savings uh, daylight savings time i think i would think yes i i think it's it's not necessarily uh, important the hour forward and hour back. Like, I don't think anybody looks forward to, I think everybody's like, ah, shit. Like, you, you know, twice a year, you're like, thank God I get an hour back. Uh, and then the other two, you're like, well, damn it. I got to go to bed early. And all these days are, you know, the only benefit to it right now is the fact that the sun is setting at like seven thirty, eight o'clock, which is nice in the spring, but I don't think we really need, I, I, I don't see the point of it. I mean, I get it, but it's just, it, it's an old holiday. Yeah. It's an old thing for uh, when the working class uh, was, you know, or the, the actually, if I remember correctly, it's, it was for the farmers so they could stay out later or something like that. I don't quite remember, but yeah, uh, yeah no, I would be very happy to kiss that goodbye. So, uh, and so would millions of parents across the U.S. I think you and I, Justin, uh, Justin, did California have daylight savings time uh, when you were there? beats me i don't remember it was always sunny there oh so arizona does not practice daylight savings time so uh i am currently three hours behind uh and so this morning i had to make an airport run and i was awake for the reds group chat and we were just talking about stuff but uh it's very weird seeing people text at like 5 a.m when i wake up and i'm like what the hell are these people up so and then i'm like oh wait 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 hours behind like so um, how does that how does that work like what if if they don't practice daylight savings then you're on what time are you on mountain i'm on yeah you are three hours behind so yeah i know what it's okay what time zone it is technically but um i think well because it's supposed to be mountain time i thought in in phoenix right 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 but then we we don't practice daylight savings time here so it just basically switches so i think uh, where we co- we become Pacific for a little bit and for like eight months. So uh, I think huh. eventually like that will change and we'll just stay on mountain time zone forever then. So um, I'll only be yeah. two hours behind um, like people in the group chat and stuff. But uh, I think that'd be interesting. Um, that was my little uh, daylight savings story. The other story I had for you, Justin, real quick is a, 
there was one time in uh, college where I think it was at Woody's and it was a fall back night. And uh, I was, everybody was, there's probably 20 people there at the bar because there's really not that many people that go to Woody's on Saturday nights. So, and especially that late. So it was about, yeah, like 1.59. Yeah. We're all looking at the clock uh, on our phones like, come on, come on, come on. Come on, and then like uh, the, it switched back to one o'clock, and there was a great big cheer <laughs> at the, the bar, and you got an extra hour to drink. It's like, ah! and so, like, <laughs> so, but uh, so those future kids will never get to know what that feels like if uh, daylight savings time is gone. Save daylight savings time. No, I'm just kidding. We can get rid of it. I'm good with it. <laughs> I'm I'm good with it too. Well, that is a good place to cap it off. Um, uh, if you are listening uh, and you have listened through all the way to the end. You're probably wishing that you had an hour back, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, uh, we would just like to say thank you for tuning in to this week's long episode where we caught you up on the past two weeks, uh, very eventful two weeks um, and a very depressing two weeks. Uh, but if there's anything to look forward to, it's March madness. Sometimes it's nice to be on the outside. Uh, and just be able to watch and enjoy versus make a bracket that you know is going to be busted by the first round. Um, we all know how that feels when picking the Bearcats. Uh, regardless, thank you guys for listening. Uh, tune in uh, probably two weeks from now, because remember, it is the off season. Uh, we will have something for you guys, probably some relevant news and some cool off season ideas that we have a very long, long list for. Long. Uh, so stay tuned. Um, and in the mid meantime, um, do we just give me one team that you're rooting for this whole way through? I mean, I guess it's your championship team. It's gotta be, uh, the wild, it's gotta be Kentucky. Well, uh, I guess I, I would say I, Arizona, but, uh, shout out to Wright state being, uh, the non Ohio state team. Well, I guess Akron too. Uh, all the non Ohio yeah. state, Ohio teams that are in the tournament this year. Shout out to them. We're rooting for you. Rooting for you. We're pulling for you. Hoping you do well. Um, I guess maybe Houston. Um, I don't really care about Memphis. But they can they can uh, get knocked out by Boise in the first round for all I care. Uh, <laughs> but um, maybe Houston just because they're going to be a future conference member. I guess we got to rep the future Big 12 too. So um, yeah, all of those teams. <laughs> if you yes. follow all of that, yeah. Maybe we can build a full list of teams to cheer for. Uh, but <laughs> again, thanks, guys. Uh, stay tuned for that next episode. Uh, we'll give you something spicy and uh, not exactly relevant news uh, when we get to next time. Hypotheticals. That's what the off season's all about. So take care, guys, and we will talk to you then. Bearcats. Go Bearcats. Podcast Network.